right. Well, hell, folks. <laughs> Hello, folks. <laughs> you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune, because uh, it's time for another week on the Rec Poker Podcast. This is episode 537, the Chats Edition, uh, where we get to talk to uh, fun people in the poker world. Uh, we also have a Forums Edition every week, just talking poker strategy. Um, I'm your host, Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game, and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. And I have the best freaking job in the world every Monday evening, uh, talking poker with my friends here on the podcast at 7.30 Eastern, live on YouTube. And if you show up for free, like most of what we do here, it's free, but you can win a real prize just for coming and joining the fun. We're going to be talking to Wes Cannon and Max Havlish from the Suited Kings podcast in just a moment. Uh, but first, I have to thank our sponsors, the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. We wouldn't be here without their support over the years. Uh, most of what we do here is free. Like I say, we're a largely volunteer-based organization, so we depend on support from our sponsors and also from our amazing premium members who take part in our training material and study opportunities for only 15 bucks a month. Premium members like, we got four new ones since we were last on the air together. Steve Catterson, you might know him as Chip Extractor. I know I have for a long time. Uh, so Steve, thanks for your support. I can't wait to get to know you a little better. Um, Eric Weinraub, who uh, recently got to a couple final tables and credits uh, some tips he heard on the forums edition of the podcast for his success. Uh, Brian Gartman, who I think I was playing with recently at a Run Good event. And Bob Franklin, related to Benjamin Franklin. I happen to know that because I had dinner with a man just last week. Uh, Bob's a fantastic guy uh, who's going to lend some great insights to the rest of the premium membership here. So Steve, Eric, Brian, and Bob, thank you so much for your support. Your $15 a month makes a huge difference to what we're doing here. And I love welcoming our new members uh, here to Rec Poker. So look for an email from me setting up some uh, a one-on-one -on -one visit and a chance to get the most out of your membership. All right. Now, they let me host the show on Mondays. But I'm only one man. It takes a group to do what we do here, a village, a crew. We call this group of wizards the Wrecking Crew. If you want to find out more about me and the other members of the Wrecking Crew, you can go to wreck.poker slash crew. Uh, but you can just listen up because you're going to meet a few of them right here on the air tonight, starting with producing co-host Chris Jones. I'm Chris Jones. You can find me 5b5 on Twitter or 5 by 5 in the Poker Stars home game. And I'm Joe Coolis. You can find me at Joe Cool PhD at uh, X or Twitter, whichever you prefer to call it, uh, or Elvita Eleven in the home game. And I'm John Somsky, also known as Poker Geek MN everywhere. And I'm Rob Washam, and you can find me as Rabman Fifty just about everywhere. All right. Well, you're here with the group. Uh, like I say here at Rec Poker, we play for fun, but it's more fun when you win. So we study together, we play together, we celebrate together, and it all starts with a free membership at Rec.Poker, where all it takes is an email address and a smile. So let us welcome in Wes Cannon and Max Havlish. Uh, Wes, you're no stranger to the show. You've been on before. Uh, Max, welcome to what I believe is your inaugural appearance um, on the Rec Poker podcast. Uh, it actually isn't. Oh, I was going to say, we, I think you were actually on back in the day, right? Uh, when Probably Steve like 20, was doing... 2018 or so, Matt Hamilton and I did like a panel thing. I remember. I, I, I've uh, Steve, you had a few different formats for this back uh, as he was putting it together. And it all kind of led to this panel uh, plan, this community group, which is uh, how we do everything now. But thank you. Um, thank you. Well, welcome back, my man. This is fantastic. Uh, so... I, we usually only have one guest on here. Um, I think we're, you guys will have to decide sort of who answers what. But Max, let me start with you because some of our listeners already know Wes's story a little bit. Uh, he's been on more recently. 
Um, you're uh, a Minnesota guy. You've you're a tournament specialist. Um, you've cashed very successfully over your time uh, playing poker. Um, now you've started this podcast with Wes, which I'm interested in talking a little more about. But if our if our audience doesn't know you, um, how would you kind of describe your own place in the poker world right now? Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm just you know uh, I grind MSPTs pretty much strictly at this at this time of day. I I do have a uh, a couple of other jobs. I'm a realtor full time. I work for Medtronic part time. So those kind of stop me from playing dailies. Um, so you won't see mm -hmm. me at the dailies as much anymore. I used to grind those where a lot of people uh, who might be watching this might not remember me from. Um, but unfortunately, I don't have the time for those those days. So so you'll see me uh, on the weekends traveling to MSPTs. Nice. And um, that sounds like you've you've kind of had an ascension as a player um, where you're you're making time for these uh, bigger ticket tournaments. Let me ask you first, uh, how did it how did it come about? What was the feeling like when you decided, oh, you know what, I'm going to flip the switch here and I'm going to like what, what, what were the telltale signs to you that made you decide that it was time to take this more seriously and, and go after these uh, bigger events? You know, it just was, it started off just kind of playing, you know, the $200 uh, double stacks at aces and I would build up a roll and then I'd punt it back to them after, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> Full disclosure, you know what I mean? Um, no, no, but, you know, I learned a lot of lessons in poker during those times. And then, um, again, you know, I have other forms of income, which allows me to easy, you know, more easily play the higher buy-in events. But um, yeah, managing my bankroll has probably been the biggest thing that's allowed me to switch to MSPTs um, and start, yeah, start playing bigger buy-ins. You know what I mean? Not just having $1,100 to my name and saying, let's fire it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Um, well, we're, I'm just going to remind our audience, if you have any questions for Max or Wes, to type them into the YouTube chat, and I'll make sure that, or Chris will make sure that we get them asked. And uh, if anyone here on the Wrecking Crew has any questions, just unmute and I'll, we'll jump in there. Um, also, YouTube audience members, we're going to need some names of poker players into the YouTube chat so we can start uh, our stake study stack uh, game that we'll be playing with Wes and Max later. And uh, I want to just remind that we uh, we've made it. You can now send us super chats in the YouTube. So uh, if you do want to send us a little donation using the super chat feature of the YouTube platform, uh, we'll be sharing a portion of that donation with a local food bank because, uh, you know, we like to support food banks here. We'll be having a raffle at the end of the show for folks that stick around, um, show cool. up for the show for free, and uh, you can win a real prize just for showing up in our food bank raffle at the end. Um, all right. Thank you so much for that and allowing me to continue on my little soapbox there for a while. So... Um, <laughs> So, uh, Max, let me stick with you for one more question here. Yeah. Um, so, I, in fact, I remember Steve and I um, talking about your progress as a player, like back in the day. Um, I know you're someone that a lot of players in Minnesota have looked up to and for coaching and for advice and for like talking about the game. Um, what, uh, what, what, what made you and Wes decide that it was time to to buckle up and start this new exciting podcast venture? Yeah, uh, you know, it was it kind of came out of nowhere. Wes and I actually have only been friends for about a year now. Um, him and I have been familiar with each other through poker. Uh, it started, I think, last November-ish or December-ish. What was it, Wes? Was it the MSPT? No, you know what it was? So we it was day two of the Avalanche, which I think was like That's January. What it was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. we sat next to each other, and you were about to go to Colorado for the MSPT. And you said, hey, like, I have a comp room. Um, if you're going to go, do you want to, like, travel with me? 
And that's, that's when we started traveling together was like right at the start of this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I knew Wes, um, was, you know, uh, a strong poker player and I always like to try and pick the brains of, you know, people who I look up to and I, Wes immediately, immediately impressed me. So, uh, we became friends quickly and then we started traveling to pretty much every MSPT together. And I remember we were hanging out in, uh, in the hotel room one day. I don't remember what, what stop it was at, but he came back from, from playing and he's like, we should start a podcast <laughs> just mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And I actually have a background in music production. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I have, you know, I have my own home studio and stuff like that. So, um, I didn't have to really do any of the back end learning. I already knew how to work all that. So I was like, I can throw that together. No problem. And boom, <laughs> Studio Kings was born. Yeah. Yeah. And so giving my perspective on, you know, where that idea came from, there's a time probably a few weeks before that, um, we had like Max and I did sort of a virtual study session. We just like, um, looked at a couple hands from videos and then maybe one or two are of our own. And we had another buddy who, who joined us, but I just remember Max and I went, we chatted about one or two hands for like over a half hour. <laughs> and I don't know when I came up with the idea, but I was like, this could easily be something we just record and people enjoy listening to. And then I remember I, I said that, you know, we could start a podcast. And Max's first reaction was like, I, I didn't have a read on what his first reaction was. But then <laughs> the rest of that trip, like the next five times that it got brought up, it was Max being like, hey, we need a really good name for our podcast. And then he was like asleep and he just wakes up <laughs> and is like, Wes, write this down. Suited Kings. That's the name yes. of our podcast. <laughs> yes. I, I literally woke up out of a dead sleep and told him. Yes. <laughs> I love that. So I, I love it. Some of my favorite things have like occurred to me in a dream. It's just like yeah, you wake yeah. up and you know that's it. So that you're, I can tell that's something that's uh, that you're onto there. That's, just that's it, amazing. Yeah. Yep. Now Minnesota has sent a lot of fantastic poker players up through the ranks. I think it outperforms a lot of other states, like disproportionately given how many people are in the state. Um, yeah. It, so that makes kind of like a small world a little bit. I've kind of thought of you guys almost as sort of competitors. You're playing in a lot of the same player pools. You're you're directly competing with each other from tournament to tournament. Um, poker is the kind of game where it's a, it's a lone wolf at the table game, but it's mm-hmm. better to have mm-hmm. a pack away from the tables. Yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that experience of kind of being competitors, but also helping each other get better? Go ahead, Wes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, so I guess we've actually played at the same table a few times. Um, <laughs> it's I usually kind of crazy. Re- <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, there's no soft play. play. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it, it, if anything with us, it's the opposite. Like, there's a cash game where Max five bet jam 200 big blinds, and <laughs> I fold my ace three suited that I four bet. He shows a five, and I'm like, you were probably ahead. Like, uh, I had ace five suited. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're going Euro on each other. Yeah. So it's never really been an issue. I think the, you know, if you have a friend who you play with and you have an urge to like, like you don't want to take each other's money. I feel like that's usually if it's someone who's not taking poker seriously, you know, mm-hmm. like if I, um, let me put it this way, like Max and I, we never feel bad about like winning a big one off each other, you know, cause we, we both encourage each other and 
yeah, it, yeah. Just, it's the competitive juices flowing and there, so, literally there's never been an ounce of salt when when one of us has lost a pot to the other person yeah no i mean we understand yeah. that we're with the game we play and that's how it works and like you said we're friends away from the table and we're competitors at the table so yeah mm-hmm. yeah I, th- those are the best friends like one of my good buddies greg i've known since high school we play very competitively against each other in most things but in golf every year we have like this golden crown tournament and um we want to break each other uh but like you know <laughs> it, 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 but it's all fun and we get our, we, we get along outside of it but those best friends i think are the ones that you can really compete with and it's about sort of like respecting their game and not playing it easy on them and uh two people trying their hardest you know that's the best that's the best competition i think out there yeah well and then there are times when we've been at the same table and you know we we still very much root for each other when we're not against each other i remember i think it was day two in michigan like a month ago fire keepers yeah Um, yeah max won an all-in against this guy who would you know we kind of viewed as like (laughs) i remember this he was the fish (laughs) of the table but he had been just winning every pot and i just send max a text like Sometimes they got to learn the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we've got a few people in the YouTube chat. I just want to shout out here. Two of our new premium members, uh, Bob and Steve. Thank you for being here. And great to see Dana Craven again, too. That's fantastic. Uh, Dana, thanks for stopping by again. And I see we're getting some names for Stake Study Stacks. So keep throwing those names out there, folks. That's fantastic. Um, So Wes and Max, uh, you guys can decide how to answer this. You've started this new podcast. Uh, It's fantastic. People love it. Uh, If people haven't listened to it yet, what, what can they expect? Uh, how did you guys decide on like the format and uh, tell tell our listeners sort of like what a typical podcast is like for you guys? Wes, I'll start it off. Um, so our format is, you know, it's funny, though, because when I did, we did our first episode, a bunch of people reached out and they're like, well, like, what are you going to do? What's your format? How is this? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do whatever we want to do. And then as time goes, we'll kind of let it dial into what seems to fit the best. You know what I mean? So we started off doing an interview with Wes winning, you know, 200K at the WSOP, where it was like an interview type thing with Wes. Then we went straight into strategy and talked about, you know, some deep diving into hands and stuff like that. Um, You know, we've been just kind of deep strategy and interviews and then also things that poker can do for us outside of poker, right? So it's been all over the place. And I think for now, we're just going to stick with that format. Everybody seems to like it. And, and it's a little bit of, uh, of something for everybody. Because, you know, those deep uh, strategy podcasts, a lot of the beginner players who aren't quite there yet, um, they have trouble following with those. But they enjoy the interviews where they can see how people got invested into it. And um, so, yeah, so just a little something for everybody. Yeah. And I think, you know, my idea with it is, like, I want to give, you know, maybe, like, if you take me five years ago, for example, like what would I like to listen to and what would be helpful helpful to me if I would know I want to get better at poker? And so part of that is the strategy component, but then part of it is also like, apart from just knowing when to use blockers or when to triple barrel bluff, like when I, when I'm at the table, like if I'm feeling really nervous, like, is that normal or what can I do to work on, you know, playing to actually like executing all these strategies because i feel like there are two components there's knowing the strategy and then there's um actually executing it in the moment and so stuff like well if you're feeling too nervous maybe you haven't practiced enough maybe you're playing too high for your bankroll like so 
so my view of it is just like having all these little components of playing poker and giving people like a realistic idea of what it's actually like to take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get too, too, you know, each topic seems to be pretty dialed into one specific or two specific things. And we stick to that for, you know, the whole hour. And, um, and yeah, we're, I mean, there's so much things you can cover in poker. So, so we look mm -hmm. forward to, you know, like, I think this week we're going to drop in last week, we did an episode on when to double and triple barrels of bluff. That was a lot of fun this yeah. week. I think, uh, I think our episode this week is going to be on, on proper sea betting, like when, to, when and when not to sea bet. Mm -hmm. um, and then we might hop back into an interview with a special guest after that. Nice. Um, I'm getting a note that uh, Taylor Moss's daughters are currently waving at the screen. So we should all wave <laughs> hello to uh, two beautiful little blonde girls. Hey, shout out, out to Taylor, by the way. Show. Taylor's a oh, crusher, man. That guy's a he's crusher. on such a streak right now, too. The guy yeah. is killing nice run. it. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Well, well done, Taylor. We don't like to say nice things about Taylor on the show here too often. Um, but <laughs> everyone's a terrible human being. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but just a beast, a beast it out is, there and, and kicking some serious butt. Uh, so way to go, Taylor Moss. Uh, keep it up, man. Um, so what what do you guys do now uh, to, to to get better at poker? Um, you've you've studied, you know, different ways throughout your career. You've moved from recreational to professional players. You know, once you kind of plugged all the easy leaks, all the low hanging fruit, um, mm. do you still study? How do you study? And sort of what are some insights that you've gained recently? Never stop studying. Not rule mm -hmm. number one. <laughs> um, <laughs> go ahead, Wes. Go ahead. Take it away. Yeah, I do a few different things. And I think the best way to look at it is like, yeah, you, you take care of the low hanging fruit, you know, you plug all those big holes, but then you just realize like there are always going to be holes in your game. And so you're always just trying to plug the next biggest one. Yeah. As so you plug speak. one, a new one pops, you know what I mean? Like you see, you, or at least you finally see yeah. that it's flooding. You know what I mean? Once mm. you take care of the big ones, then <laughs> you notice the small ones because they're like still the biggest ones. Um, yeah. So what I do, I do a few different things. I have, um, I use GTO Wizard and GTO X, but I actually, I start, I use those a lot less than I think people would think. Um, I also watch, recently I've been watching uh, Inside the Mind of a Pro, which actually mm. Jeremy Becker recommended to us uh, when we interviewed him. Um, but it, I think it's super valuable to see um, these top level players, how they play hands and what their thought process is. I, in the past, I've watched like some super high roller bowls and stuff, you know, because I think it's great to watch those types of players navigate those fields. But then when you get the component of actually having them walk through it, I think that's super valuable. Um, and actually, one way I improved my online cash game skills a lot this year was watching a streamer who was one of the best um, in the games I played in. And so for me, it's getting a mixture of, you know, learning, seeing how this strategy is actually implemented at the table um, and seeing why, you know, why they deviated from it at certain times too. Um, yeah. So a few different yeah. things, but that's mostly it. That's good. I yeah, think, Chris. Chris has yeah. been a big fan of that inside the mind uh, of a pro series. We've we've used that for some some elements before. It's a fantastic series. There there is no substitute for like hearing people talk about their thought process in, in real time, right? 
especially people like Adrian Mateos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the biggest crushers in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I think like, and Max can speak to this too, but that's almost what, I, you know, we're not, we're not Adrian Mateos. Not yet. But, <laughs> um, but it, our podcast, you know, maybe it can be a, a little bit of it can be kind of like that, where people who are wanting to get better listen to how we think through different hands yeah mm-hmm. yep. Definitely. Yep. i love that uh chris you've got something i think yeah no well what uh, that you're speaking my language with inside the mind of the pro i think it's i think it's the best poker content out there really i just i can't i get excited every time that this series comes out I, and I, I i know that they did another one this year so i can't wait till it comes out again um mm-hmm. question is kind of based on a comment that came from chip extractor in the in the chat um uh, he writes, I've debated for years if I should transition into tournament play from almost exclusively live cash. Uh, I feel as if my window for doing so is is closing. Many factors contribute to that feeling. But I feel like some of our audience um, has that feeling on both sides of the fence. Maybe they've played mostly exclusively tournaments, but they're kind of curious, like, should I be playing some cash to sort of like build a bankroll supplement, you know, the variance side of it, or, or there may be more of a, a cash game player. And they're kind of curious about, man, maybe I should take some shots in some tournaments. Mm-hmm. You're, you're both players who do both sort of disciplines. Um, what would you say to somebody who's maybe much more experienced, a recreational player who's sort of much more experienced in one side of the, of the fence or the other, and, and what kinds of things they should be thinking about if they're, wanting to take that to dip their toe and get a little bit better, a little bit more experience either on the cash side or on the tournament side. I just want to say something before you answer Wes, because I'm going to let, I'm going to let Wes answer this because he's definitely uh, more of a cash game player than I, Um, I actually started playing. I mean, I've always played cash, but I started diving into online cash lot this year due to some coaching from Wes. That's helped me out a lot. There's a lot of changes um, uh, that you kind of got to take into consideration, but I want to say that it definitely has helped, um, you know, keep my bank account or my bankroll, um, uh, you know, padded when I'm playing tournaments. You know, you can bust a couple of tournaments, run it up with cash. Sometimes it doesn't always work that way, but it seems to be something that will keep my bankroll continuously, like staying level or helping it grow a little bit more. Sorry, Wes, go ahead now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely accurate. Like the cash means well, lower variance. My initial thought when hearing that question, though, is like, which one, you know, to the person who asked the question, like, which one are you going to feel more motivated to get better at? Like, which one do you enjoy more? Um, Because for me, I think that tends to be the case. Like, I probably used to be more of a cash game player, got a little more into tournaments, had my first big score. And then once that happens, I was like, probably 80 or 90% tournaments forever. This year I've gotten, you know, I've studied cash a little bit more and it, it definitely like has helped me and it, it does help, uh, you know, the variance in cash is, is, uh, much lower, but yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is whichever one you're going to enjoy more. And so I, I'll have times when I just like, am a little more into cash or tournaments or even live versus online. Um, the general things. So, so if you're someone who did the, the person asking, did they say if they play more cash or tournaments now? 
they currently play more cash and they're considering okay. transitioning into tournaments. Yeah. So the biggest thing for that person to, you know, think about is like, if you're playing two five cash, you know, $500 buy-ins or something, the proper bankroll. Um, and if you have a job that pays for all, like you don't need to stick to this exactly, but the, as far as like, maintaining a good bankroll year the buy-ins you should be playing for tournaments would be more like 100 dollars or 150 or something and so you're, you're just going to have a lot more days where you end up losing and as far as what you need to study you know make sure focus like all your time basically on learning how to play with 40 blinds or less because one thing someone who plays cash a lot will get into tournaments and you're not at a hundred big blinds for very long, even if you're doing well. Um, and it's important to not have that feeling of needing to always have a big stack because there is, you know, there's no, no person who always has a big stack and you just need to dive into learning how to play like 40, 30, 20, 10 big blinds. And then also, ICM is very hard to study, but at least like try and learn a little bit and figure out what sort of adjustments to make when you're both near the money bubble and then when you're at the final table. Yeah, I like that. Um, specifically, uh, you know, Steve's asking about sort of the ability to maintain focus for a long period of time. This is something that comes up a lot uh, for some of our uh, recreational players who just aren't used to grinding live MTTs. And that's that's the one difference that that leaps out to everybody is cash games. You can sit down, stand up, take a break, miss some hands like the stakes are pretty low um, mm -hmm. in a tournament. You really have to seize every bit of EV out of out of every hand that you're dealt or, you know, so say I. Uh, what do you guys have tips for how to kind of budget your focus and and maintain that ability to not just kind of brain fart your way out of the tournament on hour eight <laughs> of a 10 of a 10 hour day because there's no worse feeling than that you know it it definitely takes a lot to get out of and i occasionally i mean i still not often but occasionally will be like what the hell will happen there because i lost focus <laughs> you know i mean deep in a tournament where i made a small mistake but it ended up costing me hugely right um i remember listening to a master class with darren elias uh, with Wes actually on a road trip one time. Um, and yes. one of his biggest tips was to, you know, periodically, whether, you know, you can set your own time parameters, but like uh, take a step back, remember what, you know, step back from the tournament. I mean, you, although you're sitting there, think about where you're at in the tournament, whether it be the entry stage, the middle stage, the bubble, the late stage, the end game, right? And then remind yourself, this is where I'm at in the tournament. How many big blinds do I have? What role do I play at this point? And then, continuously step back throughout the rest of the tournament and remind yourself of that to kind of start back over again. You know what I mean? Yep. I think that's a great way to do it. Um, what are some common mistakes? So, so you've, you've both progressed through the ranks. Uh, you've obviously improved your play a lot. Um, you play with a, a mix of other players um, and different experience levels. I guess, I guess I have two questions for you. The first one is, what are some actions that players make at the table that make you say, oh, this is a less experienced player. There's something I can do to take advantage of this person's ignorance or lack of experience. What are some actions that kind of telegraph that? And how can we as recreational players play a little defense and make that less obvious? 
Yeah. Sure. I, um, go ahead, Wes. Go ahead. First one that comes to mind for me is making preflop raise sizes that are significantly different based on what's in your hand or mm -hmm. even just what like mood you're in. You know what I mean? It yeah. Could be and not balancing it if, if you're aware of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a big one. I would say talking about your strategy in a given hand. Because yeah. I think one thing that recreational players will do, and I've done this before, is, uh, you know, you make a play and then either it doesn't work and you say, oh, I thought you had this specific hand. And it's like, me as a pro, I don't even usually put someone on a specific hand. So I just know, I'm like, no, you didn't. You're just trying to make yourself sound good or justify it. And like, just just know that you don't need to do that. Like I make, you know, I make mistakes. It's like, just be okay with making the wrong play sometimes and don't like, whether whether it's your true inner monologue or you're just trying to like justify a play, just don't talk about what your strategy was, you know? Mm -hmm. Those are the two biggest ones I was going to say is literally uh, bet sizing, uh, talking. I mean, and yes, sharing strategy. You know, sharing strategy is fine. I mean, don't think that you don't ever have to do it. If you're sitting there talking with someone and you kind of want to like, you know, jot about or talk about a hand as, you know, just to talk about it, that's fine. Like, don't not talk about poker at the table. I mean, but you don't definitely don't berate players on how they played a hand. Like, another thing is I think players who tilt is a good tell of, I mean, everybody has a, a level of tilt, but those who uh, openly show it, or, you know, it, you, it clearly changes their accent, actions. I think that's one of the bigger skills or leaks to plug uh, quick or earlier in your game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good one. I'm going to keep on this kind of catering to less experienced players uh, line for a second here. And I'll just encourage our YouTube chatters to type any more questions that you've got in there. We've got these two guys for a little longer and we want to extract as much from their brains as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, recreational players, we like typically... Uh, we kind of play more passively. We play wider ranges. We like to make hands. You know, we like to right. we like to know that we've made a hand before we proceed. Uh, and so we tend to take a lot of like limping and calling lines preflop. Obviously, mm -hmm. we should do that less. Uh, yeah. That being that being said, are there particular hands or type of hands that you'd say, oh, it's all right. It's okay if you call in position and, and don't just raise or fold. And like, what what do those hands or or types of hands have in common that that I can give our listeners permission to occasionally just like <laughs> call and see a call and see a flop? I'll, I'll start this one, Wes, because we actually just had a conversation about this not long ago. Um, but like, it's it's typically you don't want to limp later in tournaments, mostly like especially when antes are up and i mean just taking down the pot is worth so much later in stages of tournaments whereas when everybody's hundreds you know hundreds 200 big blinds deep in early stages uh limping can be okay i think there's a few things you want to pay attention to one is position uh having position you know later position is always going to be helpful because you can see what's going on in front of you um secondly is and and west might disagree with this i know he did before but like hand, hands <laughs> out more limp are um, suited like aces and kings types hands where I'm going to end up cooling people uh, more than they're cooling me. Whereas like five, six, five, eight, you know, smaller suited connectors hands, you're going to end up finding yourself getting coolered more. Um, those are just kind yeah. of basic, basic thoughts on the idea. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. That was mainly my answer too. I, I think the point about it, not doing it like late in a tournament. So, so one thing to keep in mind is, so in cash games, you'll probably always be deep. And then tournaments, you're going to be deep earlier on. And when you're deep, it's okay to see, you know, hands like, yeah, suited aces, um, 
suited connectors can be okay suited too. Case, and then like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go um, and then, and then the small, small pocket pairs. So all of these hands have more value when you have you and your opponents have a lot more blinds because the implied they, value. Yeah, the implied odds, they don't have immediate that much immediate value. So like if you're a hundred big blinds deep in a tournament, you might want to fold ace nine offsuit in early position, but then I would be raising, but you can limp like a you know ace do suited or pocket threes or you know something like that. And it's not that bad um but if you're late in the turn if let's say you and your opponents all have like 15 to 20 blinds you just want to fold the small pairs and then open the ace nine offsuit so like the deeper you are the more implied odds those sort of um exactly yeah yeah th those types of hands have and so those would be the ones that if you want to limp or like if someone raises um you can just flat with and what i will say too is i even if there are a bunch of limps before me, I will do over limping. So I, I will limp when there are already limpers. And that will usually be with, yeah, like small pairs, suited ace, suited king, suited connectors. And, and to follow up with that, our goal is to either, you know, we're set mining or flop either a massive draw to, you know, and then even if we do flop a massive draw, we're not trying to get in hundreds of big blinds at that point with it. We're trying to connect with our flushes and then get our chips in. Yeah. yeah, so we're kind of like set mining and, and draw mining, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's only really effective when you're time. deep. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I got one more question, then I'm going to turn it over to Chris. Uh, so we've talked, you've talked a bit about sort of like this would be the range that I take with this. Um, you know, these are the kind of hands we want to have for this kind of an action. Um, how do you decide whether you need to be balanced in a certain spot or whether you can just take an exploitative line? And like typically the way that we find ourselves in my experience in these moments is it's not with the value hands because we know we're going to be taking the aggressive line with the value hands a lot. So mm -hmm. the question is like, when do we sprinkle in the balancing hands and how important is it to do it? And then how do you decide that it's important to do it on a case by case basis? Sure. I think it's going to be less important in dailies and things like that, um, where there's going to be a lot more amateur players. Um, not to say you shouldn't be balancing like that, but I think those are going to be areas where you don't have to worry about it as frequently. I say compared to like playing, you know, I mean, you'll find amateurs in all buy-ins of tournaments, sure. but sure, but mm -hmm. but it, it, more so compared to like MSPTs in Vegas, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wes, did you? Yeah, have I, yeah, I think. So definitely agree with what Max said. I actually don't even think of it in terms of balance per se anymore. I think of it in terms of situations where I want to bluff or, or I just know the person, if they're betting, they have uh, a good hand, you know? So I think of like, if you take, you know, pre-flop, for example, ace five and ace four suited are like the, the well-known, like these are your four bet bluff type of hands and I you know I'll do it if I think someone themselves is quote unquote balanced you know if they, if they three bet me with enough weak hands um but I I just think of it more like okay is this someone who I should be trying to bluff and then I just the the hands that I have is more of a a secondary consideration mm. um 
and actually I'll give Max some credit for this. Like I've, I've come more from the, you know, charts and theory background, I think compared to most people in the Minnesota poker scene. But like, I, th- I feel like Max is like this hardcore feel player who just, he's going for it. And, and yeah, no, it's true. And then I, and I feel like that's like, helped me realize like, okay, no, like I should lean into more of that too, because um, so, so I would say like, I don't even think in terms of being balanced anymore, especially in any sort of live cash or tournament. Um, but you know, when I'm deciding if I should bluff, like I look for properties of certain hands to where I'm like, okay, this hand makes a good bluff so I can go for it. Or like, well, this one is an okay bluff, but I think he's, I think he often has nothing here. So, you know, so there are a lot of considerations. Um, yeah. No, that's that's good, and 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 um, and some of those qualities would be like blocker value, playability if called, like that that kind of thing. And you're just sort of um, deciding on a case by case basis: are, are they folding enough that I want to be doing it with some of these other hands? Is that I, I, right? I, yeah? And I want to mention one more quick thing on it is don't worry about it too too much because the more you overthink it, the more you're going to put yourself in dumb spots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I and the one West. clip. I think we found our clip for the episode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wes, you wanted to wrap that up, I think. Yeah. And the one last thing is when you look at like a solver and when you see the hands it's going to bluff or the hands it's going to bluff catch with, the difference between these different hands is often like, a, you know, less than a tenth of a big blind or something. And that's just so small compared to if you know even something a small assumption about your opponent that will move the needle so much more than like one blocker in terms of if mm-hmm. your decision is profitable or not. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh thinking poker uh, podcast, which is like, you know, the, 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 the poker podcast in my mind, that was my first podcast. I started listening to um, Andrew's talked a lot about if they move an inch, we move a mile. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that's it, where they're going out of line that's where you, uh, you know, deviate yourself and, and not to worry too much about this other stuff. So I like that way of thinking about it. Um, Joe mm-hmm. Coolis, you had something, I think. Yeah. So uh, you guys are both from Minnesota and, you know, when you're podcasting, sometimes you'll come across people who will just kind of state these very off the wall uh, colloquialisms, like you're oh, going to clean someone's gutter or something. How do you make sure that both of you are, are, consistent with something the audience can understand so that yeah. everybody's with you <laughs> yeah that's the probably the would... hardest part about the podcast <laughs> yeah um so i actually don't know like i think about that sometimes but it's not like i don't even know if we do a good job of that to be honest um it, i try it, to like... clear things up because i oftentimes are you know our jargon is a little bit more too much for people so i try to i try <laughs> to like step in and be like well this is what this means and this is what this means and but you can't you know yeah hopefully that helped yeah. or answered yeah so so a serious question beyond busting jim stones on the air yeah, every thanks, that, I, that i can get um is uh, you know how do you how do you so you're, you're two guys who have uh, you know decided to do a podcast because you've probably done some coordination in terms of play and talking hands and things like that and sometimes when 
you know, particularly with new players, they get into groups of people. The problem is that, I mean, if you're taking, for instance, Assassinato's strategy versus Brokus's strategy versus uh, anybody else's strategy in terms of how to play different hands, you can end up with a lot of different strategy. You can end up with a lot of different uh, starting hands or charts and things like that. What kind of recommendations would you make to the recreational player about how to manage those differences of opinion when they may not completely understand the theories that underlie what it is that they're trying to implement at the table? That's a good question. Um, so here's what I'll say in terms of something like free flop, because I feel like it, it's gonna, what I'll say is it gets harder the later you go in a hand, you know what I mean? So as far as pre-flop charts, there are a lot of different pre-flop charts out there. There's some differences, but the places where each of them are different are gonna be so close to each other in EV that like, those are the hands where it's like you should make a decision more based off of your opponents in the game rather than trying to copy a specific chart, you know? Um, and yeah, I, I think the other thing to keep in mind, then Max, um, you can add on is like every, even people who are winning players are still always trying to learn the game. And there are a lot of different ways that you can be a strong player and you can be very strong in certain aspects and then you can have a couple, you know, have certain types of weaknesses that you're winning in spite of, but like, you know, so just, yeah, it, like there's, there's not always just one right answer. In mm. order. I feel there's like so many variables. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right, Chris Jones. Uh, I think we've got some questions from the YouTube chatters and then we'll wrap this baby up. Yeah, uh, Max and Wes, we got two questions from the YouTube chat. I'm going to ask them in reverse order because uh, uh, one of them's, I think, a shorter answer. But what is uh, from the RRCCC uh, wants to know what is each of your favorite MSPT stop? Mm. Mm. Deadwood. God. Um, Why is that? Just <laughs> final table twice to back to back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> that that's the one reason. <laughs> um, but also, I think Deadwood's just beautiful. Like Riverside's the other one where I've had a big score, but Riverside's kind of—I don't know. I think Deadwood's just beautiful. Um, and yeah, it has this. The town has this unique vibe. And yeah, I final tabled two out of the first three times I've been there. So there's that too. <laughs> yeah, that didn't help in that decision though. It was just <laughs> the beauty of, of Deadwood. Um, I, you know, anything in Iowa, I pretty much love the most. Um, I, I missed one uh, one in Iowa. Right? I did. The net stop isn't even around anymore. I won uh, the Tama Iowa stop Meskwaki Casino in 2017 or 18. Um, but Riverside and Grand Falls are probably my two favorite stops. Number one, because they're easy to get to, you know, three to five hours between the two of them. Um, secondly, uh, it's just, it's like nowhere else. Like <laughs> the type of play you get. You get all the best and the worst there, and you just see all the types of players. And it's, uh, I mean, I don't want to talk crap about people, but it's soft. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not uh, nothing wrong with uh, finding uh, some soft spots. I was trying to find a nice way to say that, yeah. but yeah. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, our last question, and you can choose to answer this anyway, Juan. I know some, sometimes you know you don't have to answer this exactly, but uh, Chip Extractor is wondering about. Uh, opinions on staking, swapping, selling action, 
And really his question ultimately is, uh, is it even possible to move up in stakes without doing one of these? And I guess that's going to deter based on your sort of financial sort of background and bankroll and whatever. But what are, what are your thoughts about those sort of how, as you move up, move up in stakes, whether you need to employ or understand or start to use uh, things like swaps and stakes and that, that kind of thing? I think I think a lot of people kind of, you know, well, not a lot of people, but some people look down on selling action or getting staked or they think like, I don't know, I just hear it a lot in the high roller community specifically. I mean, you expect these people to put up $100,000 of their own money every time, like you'll go broke immediately. But even in 1Ks or even in 500s or even in 250s, like um, do what's most comfortable for your bankroll where it won't affect you mentally. And yeah, I, yeah like you know, I, I've been through staking deals. I've been through selling action. I've been through all that. And it's, I think it's a healthy way to play bigger stakes and kind of get used to those fields without having to take too much risk on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. It's like, I think you said it perfectly, Max, like, uh, do whatever will make you mentally the most comfortable with playing at those stakes. However, you said that I thought was good. Um, I will also say I do think it is possible to move up without that stuff, but I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I've done plenty of it. Um, I also think there's, you know, and this is based on my own experience too. Like if you, you know, start doing well, if you have a big score too, like maybe don't, look to just jump up in stakes maybe stay at the same stakes but then just don't sell you know because that financially that's still the same thing but you're you're playing against softer competition than if you were to have moved up and so um mm-hmm. and you, you know and I, I think in like the midwest for example it's like most of the tournaments we're going to have access to are capped at like 1100 1700 um so maybe maybe for me that's more of a you know now that I've already been playing those like I don't need to travel for 5k's or something but um yeah I, I think like if you're looking at it in terms of trying to be the most profitable like recognize that sometimes just staying in the game you were already in but just playing for all yourself that can be like the best way to go and Wes, if I'm understanding you correctly uh one of the things you're saying is that if you decide to go up in stakes, say you double the size of the events that you're playing, but you're selling half your action, you're actually kind of playing the same stake, but against a yes. much tougher field. So yes. if you're going to be, you, you, you'd have, you, it would be more effective, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but it would either be more effective to move even higher uh, if you're going to get staked, or to play your own action at your own level, own your own action, and um, is there is there a way to like decide incrementally how to do that, or would you say just like take a smaller piece or take a bigger piece? Or I, I guess the answer is you, every, every person's different. But are, is there are there any like guidelines that you can think of? You know, I I'm not like I don't have a very specific formula for it. Um, there there's still times when I'll like like I won't always have the exact same percentage of myself in every tournament I play. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it could just be like, you know, a buddy of mine wants to buy like 2% for fun. Or like if Max and I go to a tournament together and play the same tournament, like we're probably going to swap a little bit or something. 
but if I went alone, I wouldn't look to like sell that same percentage to someone else. Um, right. Yeah. So no, I would say generally, you know, and it's so different if you have, if you do it professionally versus recreationally, like if you have a job, you, you don't really need to stick to, you know, very rigid bankroll constrictions, which I think applies to the vast majority of people who are going to be listening to this. And so I would just say like, do, do it however you can go into it and be okay. Like if you lose a few buy-ins, not really feel too bad about it. Yeah. Again, mm -hmm. just do what feels comfortable to you. Again, I mean, it, one thing I want to iterate on all aspects of poker is, you know, don't overcomplicate it do it yep. do what feels right do what feels good for you and i mean you don't have to you know i remember sitting there thinking like oh well, my bankroll has to, i have to have 100 buy-ins to play this event and it's like you know what like you know that's just a small <laughs> example but like you don't necessarily need to have that that's just a, a a soft guideline that can maybe help out so yeah that's good that's good advice guys all right well um i really appreciate your time we're gonna uh move on to our new segment here at the end of the show Max, you've, you've got a lot on the go over there. I can tell already right now. <laughs> uh, so this is uh, this 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 is a stake study stack. So I'm going to give you you may remember from your youth, a game where you would marry someone and then do something else to someone else and then do something else <laughs> even differently to a third person. Um, in this one, you're going to choose one person you can stake in a tournament, one person or, or in a cash game. One person uh, you can study with and one person you can stack at the tables. And I'm going to give you three okay. names. And Max, why don't you go first? And then uh, and then we'll hear from Wes. The three names are, and we're going to go Minnesota only edition here, I think. Uh, Wait, sorry, stake, stack, and what was it? Study. Study. Stake, okay. study, and stack. All right. Okay. So uh, Robbie Wazwaz, Matt Hamilton, and Ku Vang. Max, who do you stake? Who do you study with? And who do you stack? I, uh, I stake was, <laughs> um, I study, uh, I, st oh man, this is, <laughs> uh, I'm going to stack Matt Hamilton. <laughs> I don't know. Matt, Matt's a good friend of mine, by the way. Um, yeah. and, uh, and study was the last one, right? Definitely with you. Yeah. I would cool. love to study. Cool, yeah. Cool. yeah. What about you, Wes? So I don't really know Matt. Um, so this might not be as great of an answer. So I would, I'd probably just stack him because <laughs> I don't, I don't know him. So whatever. <laughs> sorry, um, Matt. I, I'm sorry. I, double stack. Double stack. Yeah. Yeah. I've already, I know I've already stacked both the other guys at least once or twice. So it's not, uh, nice. I've had the experience. Yeah. I got to complete the set. Yeah. Um, stake and study. That's an interesting one. I think I would. Same answer where I would study with Ku because I feel like he his game is so Rob is much more of a field sound. player. It's it's harder to understand a field player strategy than it is someone who can mm -hmm. agree. Like I, I would I would be happy staking either one of them. I guess yeah. the answer, yeah. but I, mean, I would rather all, all study three of them. Ku. Honestly, Matt is a crusher. Yeah. Well, I learned something then. <laughs> um, but but yeah i would i would study with ku because i feel like especially online he is such a technically sound player and mm. i could 
um, I could learn some stuff from him. Um, all right. Well, I mean, he, he saw who started studying with him and then became a World Series of Poker player. That right. Yep. yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have Mr. Matekas uh, back on the show sometime uh, soon, I hope. Um, speaking of great yes. players coming out of the state of Minnesota, that's fantastic. Incredible and a good guy. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, then uh, it's time for the speed round, gentlemen. Um, I think so. We'll reverse the order. So I'm going to ask a bunch of very short questions. Wes, you can go first and then Max. And no rationalizing, no pontificating. I just want short, quick answers. The first thing that comes into your mind got to be true. Okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. Dim the lights. Um, all right, starting with uh, Wes, what's your favorite poker hand? Aces. God. Max? <laughs> uh, Jack 10 suited. Uh, is poker a gamble or a skill game? Skill game. 90% skill. <laughs> uh, what's your biggest poker pet peeve, Wes? People complaining about the results. Max? Uh, B Raiders. Uh, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> no idea. Absolutely. No yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> is Ace King a drawing hand, Wes? Everything's a drawing hand. Ah, but, Max? No. Uh, what's, oh, we already asked this one. Um, is, what are you, uh, sorry, I got a new one in here. Um, Wes, what's your favorite childhood family holiday meal? Lasagna. Max. Spaghetti. Uh, what's your favorite mixed game, Wes? <laughs> Wes doesn't barely play, play them. But, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, stud. Seven card stud. Max? Omaha. Oh Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite color? Purple. Blue. Yellow light coming up. Slow down or speed up? Speed Am I up. in a rush? <laughs> <laughs> Max, you would speed up. Max is going to speed up. And... I mean, is um, it red? I'm still going through it. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're getting to the end here. Uh, Wes, who is your poker nemesis? Martin Zamani. Oh, yes. That's a, yes. That's a good um, one. Uh, Oh, Same West for you, Can Max? West Cannon. West Cannon. West Cannon. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> uh, Wes, are you pro chop or no chop? Slightly pro. Max? Um, slightly less, but do what's right for you. Should vacations be lazy or busy? Wes? Busy. Max? Trips are busy. Vacations are lazy. Ooh, I like that one. Uh, Wes, what player type are you? Thoughtful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thoughtful. I, I've noticed okay. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Max, what, yeah. Max, what oh, about you? Oh, robot. Um, I would say I'll, I'll, we'll go feel. Feel player. All right. And uh, this one, you're both going to take a little time. Uh, you can answer this one. You don't have, It's not the speed round. And this can be about poker or it can have something to do with anything other than poker. It doesn't have to be poker related at all. Um, actually, let's switch the order up here. Max, starting with you, looking back on your life, what's one thing that you would do differently? Oh man, <laughs> probably a lot of things. Um, one thing I would do differently, I would. I mean, is this poker related or anything? Anything, related? anything, anything. As long as it's true. 
nothing. I would do nothing nice. different. <laughs> yeah. Wes, what about you? I actually like the answer of nothing, but the one that came to mind is I would take baseball a little bit more seriously in middle school and high school. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Oh, I would have I would have kept my Bitcoin investments and not sold them. Oh, to make a drop. there That's you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds like a good one too. All right, guys. Well, I'm just tabulating the results here. Uh, Wes, you got 17 points, and Max, you got uh, 3,064. So that's pretty good. A combined score of over 3,000 points. Way to go, guys. Uh, awesome. <laughs> <What>? um, <laughs> Let's right. go. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to start. Uh, t- if folks, if you want to type the words food bank into the YouTube chat there, um, we're going to say goodbye to Wes and Max here in just a moment. And uh, we'll do our raffle. We'll talk about some home game results. If you want to win a prize just for showing up, uh, just type the words food bank into the chat because uh, food insecurity is something that affects a lot of people, um, not always in the neighborhoods that you might think, not always the people that you might think you never know who might need a little help putting food on the table uh, or feeding their children or a loved one. So I encourage you just pull out your phone and Google food banks near me. You'll find a organization in your area that can benefit from either a few dollars from your wallet, a few hours of your time uh, or some non-perishable food items from your own pantry. Uh, so I'd encourage people to do that and just type the words food bank in the chat here. We'll give away a prize a little later in the show. Um, Wes and Max, obviously the best thing that people could do to say, thanks for coming on the rec poker podcast would be to go check out the uh, Suited Kings podcast and smash the uh, subscribe button. Um, yeah. If 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 folks want to get more Wes and Max in their lives, uh, where do you like to be contacted? Is it social media, email, a website? Uh, Max, why don't you go first? Where can people find uh, you? Yeah, uh, on X or Twitter, um, at Deuce Newcomb, D-E-U-C-E-N-U-K-E-M. Um, or you can email me maxhavlish at gmail.com. And we love feedback from our podcast. We love people reaching out to us with questions regarding poker. Never hesitate in any way to um, to pick my brain. Just, yeah, just real know. quick. Just real quickly. I love that handle. Uh, it's a Duke Nukem reference, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It was very, very nice. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. The first games I played as a kid. Yeah. 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 That took that took me back to. Uh, He's also good at. He's also good at flopping sets of deuces. Um, <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Yeah, yeah, we nuke them. All right. That's a good yeah. skill. That's a good skill. Uh, uh, Wes, where can, yeah. where can folks find you? Yeah, Twitter X uh, at Pitcher Cannon. Um, I actually, so I don't have the app, but I go on there a lot because that's where we post our, I guess for me, that's where my poker community is. And yeah. Then, I don't, I don't really pay a lot of attention to other social media. Um, always feel free. Yeah. Just like Max said, reach out, whether it's, uh, you know, you have a question, even if you want to run a hand past us, um, suggestions for, you know, podcast ideas. Like if we like it, we'll probably end up doing it. We've had a couple of people yeah. do that so far also. So can I say two yeah. quick things? Absolutely right? not. Um, no, of right. course. <laughs> All right, cool. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, first off, no, I just want to say I, I really think it's cool that you guys do that philanthropy work um, for the food bank and stuff like that. I, uh, I, if we can, you know, help in any way, maybe team up in some way to do something like that. I would love to be involved in that. Um, and then, and then, secondly, I think some value that you can extract from listening to a suited kings podcast is hearing the difference in thought between wes and i i mean him and i both grew up and uh grew up learning in different ways of poker you know i uh 
he's a lot more of a theoretically approach where I'm more about of a field player. So listen to our, our thoughts combined can kind of create a unique approach to it. And, uh, and we hope you guys take a listen and enjoy it. Right on. Well, I think if people take a listen, they're definitely going to enjoy it. So uh, thanks guys for coming on the show. Thanks. For, thank you both for coming back on the show, I should say. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it was fun. Uh, thanks for having us. Well, I, I don't want, I'm kind of breaking news here. We haven't worked out the details yet, but there's a very good chance we'll be doing another rec poker event at running aces in January or February of this year. Um, I hope if you're in town, we can see you there and uh, you'll have a cold beer in your hands. Compliments of this guy. But in the meantime, uh, thanks again for swinging by and uh, continue your amazing success in the poker world. It's been great watching you guys uh, come on up. Good on you. Thanks for the chat today. Appreciate it. Appreciate that. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. All right, fellas. Well, that's it. Max Havlish, uh, Wesley Cannon, the Suited Kings podcast team. Um, we're going to go uh, talk to John Somsky about some upcoming um, or about some recent home game results. And uh, I guess before I do that, I should mention that uh, speaking of running aces, um, they've got their Mid-States Poker Tour event series coming up from November 30th to December 10th. Uh, there's going to be a ton of events happening there. I'm guessing you might even bump into these two uh, over there at that point. Just me, Wes. And... Wes is going to be in Vegas. Oh, oh, all right. There you go. Oh. Nice. Yeah, I'll be at the Mystery Bounty at Aces, but I'm headed out to uh, Vegas right after that. Sweet. Well, I'm going to be down there myself. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll bump into you on the casino floor against Wes. That'd be uh, that'd be fun. Good, good luck on that, and uh, travel safely. Um, Appreciate it. Uh, all right. Well, uh, if folks want to find out more about what's coming up at Running Aces, you can go to runaces.com. And thanks to them again for their support. John, why don't you take us through some home game result winners and then we'll give away a prize uh, here for folks that have typed YouTube, uh, typed Food Bank into the YouTube chat. That sounds good to me. But one question first I am dying to see the algorithm that you use to calculate the points. <laughs> the. The question and answer <laughs> section at the end of this because i think dying minds want to know we we have 17 versus 3000 and it, it, it's very precise i am just i'm very curious well I'll, I'll tell you we're transparent about a lot of things here at rec poker but that one i'm going to keep behind the curtain for just a little bit longer because i'm still working out some of the kinks but if anyone's familiar with a fantastic improv show called whose line is it anyway um, some of the older episodes with a guy, a Clive, Clyde, something like that. I always enjoyed the way that he uh, ran that show. So a little hat tip to uh, to Clive, I think he, was his name. He he keeps the formula in his basement and yeah. a computer. So you just yeah. have to go down there to find it. Come, so, yeah. come on over. Anyone who wants to see the formula could just come into the basement. And uh, what happens in the basement stays in the basement. That's that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so in other words, people you invite to your basement never leave. I didn't this say like that a at hotel all. California type of thing here. What? That's that's a mad and rash allegation. I will not stand for this kind of uh, libelous conversation coming out of you, John Somsky. Well, on Monday, November 13th, we had our <laughs> Tournament of Champions event, and Jasper Jr., Pat Berry, Pat Berry, his very first Tournament of Champions, and won, of course, the coveted silver pin. Mm, that's a good looking pin. That's Billy, the only one. 19341. Rich Deacons got his first nightly event victory. There you go, Rich. Woodworker 141 got his or her second nightly victory. Spot Conlin, Daniel Kennedy, mm. got his seventh nightly victory for the year. Can't stop Spot Conlin. Can't and now that. we have a few 
I've had some issues with poker stars and repeating games. So we ended up with three, three mixed practice events this week by accident. Mm. How but, exciting. So uh, the non-asterisk winner would be Killy19341. Rich Deacons got his first mixed practice event victory. Keto Man 335 uh, yeah. got his first asterisk victory for a missed event. And Isma got his first mixed victory as well. Then on to our international events. GF Hawk, Eric Romo, got his first international victory for the year. Lee Anderson, 85, got his first international hmm. victory for the year. Back and then Turner, Joshua Campbell, won the LPP event. So he can contact info at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. Yeah, congratulations to all our winners, but especially if you play on the Sunday, uh, the home games are free to enter, but our Sunday night winner gets a free month at Learn Pro Poker every month. Uh, Josh, you're going to love it if you haven't already won. Josh is no stranger to the winner's circle around here, and uh, nice to hear your voice again. Uh, Josh, way to go. So, uh, is it is it time, gentlemen, shall we roll the die of infamy and see who the winner is going to be this week, Chris? I think so. I, I'm seeing seven names on here. Are you seeing seven names? Let's go in order so there's no bamboozling. I see Ken, Mary, Bob, Jim, Steve, the RRRCCC, and Luke. That's the so seven, seven that I see. All right. I got right. an eight-sider. And um, Joe has Joe has offered if we roll an eight, he's going to donate $20 of his own money to the food bank of his choice. All right. Because uh, so he's we're just, just going to keep guy. rolling eights. Uh, hey, double, I'll double shows. that. I'll double that. Oh, Max, Max, oh, will right. Max will do. Max will do. Max will do. There we go. I love <laughs> All right. it. All right. Let's so see some eights. A lot of pressure Chris. rolling eight. A lot of pressure Let's rolling see some eights. Eight. Here we go. All right. Come on. Uh, it's a two. It's a two. All right. It's Mary McDonald. If I can Venmo one of you guys. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Sweet, Max. Well, yeah. Joseph, I, so yeah, just don't. I mean, I, I usually just donate to the local. So if you've got a local food bank, by you, that's just for usually what I do. So okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to hold Max. myself accountable for that then. All right, yeah, awesome. yeah, awesome. perfect. Um, so Mary, you know the drill. Uh, great to see you back in the chat, by the way. And um, feel free to send that email to info mm -hmm. at rec .poker. Uh, You've won a fantastic prize. And uh, we'll we'll sort out all the details over email there. And my thanks again to uh, Rob Washam, who's been helping with a lot of the uh, prize administration and some of this other stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So thanks, Rob. You've taken on another big piece of what goes on over here at Rec Poker. Um, Okay, well, fantastic. Well, thank you to uh, Wes Cannon for joining us. And uh, Max, this was fantastic. And Max, thanks again for showing that generosity of spirit and contributing along with uh, Joe Coolis here to support a fantastic cause. Um, does any other Wrecking Crew members, is there anything else that we should be talking about? Rob, I guess we've got a new uh, book study coming up. Why don't you tell some folks about what we're going to be studying next? Yeah, we're going to be studying Exploitive Play in Live Poker by Alex Fitzgerald. Mm. So, um, We'll we'll start that the first Wednesday of December, and keep an eye out either on uh, social media X, Twitter, whatever, or on the <laughs> Poker website. We will be giving away a copy of the book um, to one lucky um, viewer or member or whatever. So uh, keep an eye out for that. We'll we'll have more information as we go. 
Right on. That's going to be a good one. Uh, I was thinking about getting into that one myself. Yeah, Chris, you've got something. Yeah, no, like. and actually, I, I do want to. I, I was thinking I don't, but um, so the deep dive, everyone, if you've been watching or following along, we've been doing five, we'll be kind of wrapping up our five month series of uh, looking at tournament stages. Um, and we're going to do a really, um, I think, interesting playing session in December. Um, this is based on a number of requests where, um, we're gonna in on I think it's December 18th. We're doing it a week earlier than usual. That's right. Um, yeah. and we're gonna be um instead of doing some tournament stages or tournament things, uh, we've had a number of people kind of wondering about, you know, kind of some of the questions we talked about today. Like, I'm interested in playing more cash, and I'm much more under versed and experienced in tournaments. So and so this sessions we're gonna we're gonna simulate a cash game. Uh, and we're going to talk about okay, you're you're kind of more experienced in tournaments. What are some things you should be bringing into that that cash game environment? So if that's something that's interesting to you, um, come join us December 18th in that uh, playing session. Um, we'll get the the sign up going as soon as this um, the last uh, one wraps up in November. Uh, mark it on your calendars. We hope to get you there because I think it, I think that'll be a one that a lot of our members will be interested in. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm looking forward to that. And if you're watching this live, uh, as soon as we get all uh, closed off here, um, we're going to be doing we're going to be meeting to record our forums edition of the podcast and premium members are welcome to join us uh, live over Zoom for that recording session. If you're a premium member and you're watching this live, just head on over to the uh, homepage and click on the calendar event that's starting at nine o'clock Eastern and come join us for some strategy chat in the forums edition. Also. Uh, Chris is having his monthly wrap-up session this week on Wednesday at 7.30, where we'll be reviewing the play from last month's deep dive, uh, kind of going hand-by-hand hand and street-by-street street through the action. Um, again, if you're a premium member, get involved and uh, jump in. It's going to be a fun week. Otherwise, I think I would just say happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you get a chance to enjoy some turkey and uh, some family fun and maybe an NFL game or something like that. Um, we got some really nice comments from everybody in the YouTube chat here. Uh, thanks, everybody. That's really kind to hear. Um, love getting that kind of support. And uh, I really appreciate that feedback. It warms our heart uh, to see it. So uh, thank you to the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. Um, and if you want to uh, help support what we're doing here, um, you don't have, I mean, being a premium member is definitely the best way to help. But I understand that's not for everybody. If you go to rec.poker slash support, you can find some other ways to help us out without uh, spending a dime. And we need all the help we can get, folks. So I do appreciate everybody who wants to get more involved and uh, chip in in some way. We'll take it. There's there's room for you here, I promise. Well, um, thanks to, again, to Max and Wes. That was a treat. To Rob Washam, Joe Coolis, John Somsky, and Chris Jones. I'll just give the Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino one more shout out because they're the best. And everyone who joined us in the YouTube chat today is so much more fun getting folks in the YouTube chat. So thanks for that. And you, the listeners at home, we wouldn't do it without you. So thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week on the Red Poker Podcast.